Welcome to Prepare to Care, an AARP caregiving podcast that provides free information, free resources, and caregiver support tools to help you and your family. I'm your host, Shawreen Hunter-James. When it comes to caring for a loved one, guardianship may be a tool utilized to keep the person safe and to help manage their affairs. By definition, guardianship is the legal process of appointing a surrogate decision maker for those who need help, called a ward. But when should you consider and how easy is it to get um, a guardianship? Here to answer those questions and many more is Mari Portales Rodriguez, president of the Texas Guardianship Association. Welcome, Mari. Thank you, and thank you for that nice introduction. I, I do want to make just one quick change. Uh, I'm not actually president of the Texas Guardianship Association. That is another lady named Megan Hutchinson, but I am on the board of directors, and I've been serving well, that position for about a year and a half. We still welcome you. We thank welcome you. you. <laughs> so tell us about guardianship. What is it and the different types of guardianships? Sure. So as you mentioned, the definition was really good that you gave. A guardianship is a court-created and then court-supervised administration of a person's life, let's say in general. There's different kinds of guardianship. There is a guardianship of the person, which I like to describe um, to, to clients as uh, this is a process and a creation of helping make decisions about a person's body. And then there is a guardianship of the estate. And that has to do with the management and administration of a person's stuff, for lack of a better terms, their finances, their real and personal property, and those kinds of things. And so what we try and do in a guardianship is take a very narrow and complete view of this person who is before the court, a proposed ward. What is the nature of their incapacity, if any, is kind of the primary question. Roman numeral one, do we have a person who presents within the legal definition of an incapacitated person? And if so, what's the nature of that incapacity so that we can tailor the remedy to just those areas where the incapacitated mm. person needs help? That might be their body, that might be their estate, it might be a combo, or it might be just portions of either handling decisions about their body or their estate. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, when should a caregiver seek, you know, or consider a guardianship uh, of the person that they care for daily? Sure, that's a great question. Um, and I'm going to kind of segue and then come back to answering. Mm -hmm. The question specifically was, when should a caregiver seek guardianship of a person they care for? Really, you know, I think that question needs to be a little bit broader. We okay. all, you know, we all have to be aware and we all have to consider when there might possibly be a need for guardianship of someone, because while guardianship is what we refer to as a last resort in the law, we only want to impose it when it's absolutely mm -hmm. necessary. It is there also as a protection that we can all impart for someone who we start to see is showing signs of cognitive impairment, mm -hmm. uh, not good decision making or neglect of themselves or potential abuse. And that can be abuse of a person's body or that can be abuse or financial exploitation of their finances. So 
caregivers and family persons taking care of someone who might be showing signs of those kinds of cognitive impairment are people on the front line, but mm -hmm. also financial advisors, bankers, doctors. Mm -hmm. So true. All of us have a duty to really look and see what's going on here. If we start to get that something's not quite right feeling about someone who's having impaired cognition and then maybe not being taken care of very well by whomever's supposed to be taking care of them. Okay. So let's talk about the process a little bit. If, if the caregiver or someone else deems that this person really needs um, guardianship or a little bit more of a formal arrangement, uh, is there a process for determining incapacity? Yes, ma'am. There is, and that's a great question. Um, and it's a very formalized process. And I'll mm -hmm. say this, there's definitely more than one way to begin a guardianship. Um, but the most typical way that it begins is any person. This can be you walking out your neighbor, seeing mm -hmm. funny going on with the neighbor every day that maybe, um, and I'm going to just point to our targeted audience here, which would typically be retirees, right? Uh, maybe a retired neighbor who's elderly is being taken care of by someone. Maybe that neighbor has some signs of dementia or has been diagnosed with dementia. That's kind of a mm -hmm. relatively easy fact pattern. And you're starting to see that the person that comes over to take care of that neighbor, and I'm using air quotes, mm -hmm. um, perhaps isn't coming by daily or as many times during the day as that should happen. You're starting to see that that neighbor is suffering falls. You're starting to see that maybe the person that's taking care of that elderly neighbor starts driving a fancy car, uh, maybe more than that person could otherwise have afforded on his or her own. All those kind of gut feelings that make you feel maybe something's not right there. In that case, you or anyone else has the right to contact the court of your local jurisdiction that exercises guardianship jurisdiction. What the heck did I just say? Bottom line, in every county in Texas, there is a court that is charged with taking care of guardianship cases. In big cities, they're called statutory probate courts. And in smaller counties, they're either um, county courts at law or they're county courts. And you can just say, hey, you know what? Do you have someone I can speak to about guardianship? Let me tell you what's going on. The court itself can start a guardianship investigation based on your intake to see whether there's a need for a guardianship to be imposed. You, as an applicant, can write a letter to the court or file your own application um, to start a guardianship for the benefit of another person. Mm -hmm. The best advice is typically to, to go visit with a lawyer who handles guardianship cases. Okay. And not just anyone can do these. These are very specialized areas of the law. And in fact, lawyers representing plaintiffs or applicants have to have what's called a special fourth hour certification or okay. their pleadings won't be answered. So you can contact the court on your own, you can file an application on your own, or you can start the process in a number of other ways, kind of indirectly, by maybe talking to the person's doctor, but sometimes the doctors don't know where to go. So the, the fastest mm -hmm. way is typically to contact an attorney or contact the court to walk you through whether guardianship is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you know, we hear the term ward. And for a lot of people, it kind of means something negative. Yeah. So talk about when a person uh, is deemed a ward, and we often hear ward of the state, et cetera. What does that mean in terms of the guardianship process? Well, 
if a guardianship is imposed, and that's a big if, you know, in law school, we used to say it was a capital IFF, if and only if, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if guardianship is actually imposed, then the person under that guardianship is referred to as a ward, okay? Mm -hmm. That person is then entrusted to the care of the legal guardian. The legal guardian may be their family member, if they're deemed appropriate by the court to take care of an mm -hmm. incapacitated person, mm -hmm. or it could be an agency, or sometimes if it's a guardianship of the estate, it might be a bank or a bank trustee to handle those issues. Mm -hmm. Or then even the state of Texas can sometimes be in charge of a person who's under guardianship. And that's where that term ward of the state comes from. Mm -hmm. There's no one else that is there to take care of them. Texas Guardianship Association, which is my uh, nonprofit organization that I sit on the board of, um, has been really active in trying to bring to light that there is actually a lack of certified guardians across the state to take care of people who don't have anyone else to take care of them. This notion of being a ward of the state is absolutely the last resort of the last resorts. And so we're trying to find better ways to um, make sure that anyone under guardianship who is a ward, it really has the personal care and attention that they need. I see. And so bottom line, if a person is deemed a ward, whether they're the ward under a private guardianship mm -hmm. or a ward of the state, it means that there has been some judicial um, adjudication. That person has been deemed legally incapacitated in some way. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily feeble-minded or can't do certain things because, as I said at the beginning, guardianship is a very narrow process okay. if it's properly instituted. Only those areas that are given, those rights and decision-making that are given to a guardian mm -hmm. are to be exercised. Everything else is stays with the adult. All those other decisions that aren't given to the guardian stay with the adult, even though he or she may be a ward. Okay. Well, the, the big question then comes, if someone is considering becoming uh, a guardian or would like to be the, that guardian, what should they um, recognize as the serious responsibilities that they would be taking on and their capacity to serve in that position? Good. That's a great question. Well, again, um, this notion of guardianship has to take several key parts to it. Mm -hmm. If a person is found to be judicially incapacitated, here comes the next part, and there is no less restrictive alternative, like appropriate powers of attorney mm -hmm. in place that would avoid the need for guardianship. Then the court looks at which applicants might be before the court that are indeed qualified to serve. And so the notion, typical notion of a, of a person, an individual who might be qualified would be obviously someone who has no felony convictions. We don't mm -hmm. entrust decision-making of a person's body decisions or their estate if we've mm -hmm. got someone with a criminal history. No crimes of moral turpitude, right? We want a good um, person with good convictions to be able to make responsible decisions for someone who cannot make them for him or herself. Mm -hmm. And so you think through that. And then the potential applicant, the person considering whether they may wanna be a guardian also has to consider the time and the responsibility. 
guardianship, if it is imposed, is not a, okay, gavel goes down, boom, boom, we've got a guardianship and you're mm -hmm. gone forever and ever, amen. As we said in the beginning, guardianship is a court-created administration, but it's also court-supervised. So from year to year, that guardian has what we call reporting requirements. Right, yeah. And so if you're guardian of the person, at minimum, you will have to each year file a written report with the court that says, here's what's happened with my ward, the person under my care. He or she has seen these doctors and the last time they were treated was here and here's where they're, res where they're residing. And you have to notify the court and big changes essentially take place. If there's a change in residence, if there's a change in condition, um, you have to notify the court of any big changes in their capacity. You know, ultimately, we don't want guardianship to be a stagnant thing. Sometimes people recover and mm -hmm. want to restore a person's rights. Maybe they needed a you know, more restrictive form of guardianship in the beginning, perhaps post-stroke, but with right. therapy, they've improved and we can restore. On the flip side of that, some people decline and maybe we have had lesser powers given to a guardian. And as that person declines down perhaps the road of dementia or something similar, now we need to give more rights to the guardian for the protection of the person. And the way that the court wants to see that is from the guardian's initial report, at least, okay. to the court. And then the court will review that annually. Same thing with the finances. Every penny that comes in and goes out has to be accounted for every year. And the courts are really taking a strict rule and watch of what's going on to make sure that the person under their care is properly cared for. Okay. Um, Laurie, you have uh, really provided a lot of excellent information. In closing, you uh, have indicated two things. Where can people go for additional information about guardianships? And two, you mentioned that um, there really is a need for more certified, uh, I guess, guardians. Yes, ma'am. Is that, is that That's correct? correct? So how how would they get more information if people are interested in that certification. So uh, shameless plug, there's a one-stop shop. <laughs> um, and I really would recommend and, and that people take a look at the Texas Guardianship Association website, TGA. It's a nonprofit website. As I said, I do serve on the board of directors, but I do that, I give of my time because I believe in the mission and the content and the quality of the content that TGA puts forward. Um, not only with regard to educating persons, the public, anyone else about these guardianship basics that we've talked about, but also in providing ongoing information on how we can improve the quality of guardianship. For instance, we've got an upcoming, uh, upcoming annual conference that anyone can attend. Um, and that's on our website, and it's actually running right now. It will be available through August 15th online, so you can get great content there. And we actually also provide a certification review course to become an actual certified guardian. Um, and that's for persons who may be considering doing this maybe as a new job. Uh, we've got a lot of social workers, former uh, financial advisors, um, nurses that are really interested in taking on kind of this next step in their career and becoming a guardian or at least helping with it. 
And it's also equally as important and available for family guardians, persons like you and me who might be concerned about mom or dad that we're taking mm -hmm. care of, or perhaps an adult child with a disability um, mm -hmm. who's an adult, uh, or anyone else that's interested in the guardianship process. So that's a great resource. The State Bar of Texas also provides information on guardianship. And then probably a third resource I'd give is just a general review for lawyers, private practitioners who practice in the field of elder law or guardianship. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a, a certification as an elder mm -hmm. law attorney, um, but with guardianship, you definitely have to have that certification. So I'd encourage that review for those credentials. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been very informative and I know a lot of people will want to follow up uh, on the website um, because there is so much to be uh, learned about the whole process of guardianship and uh, certainly correct information about what guardians do as well as uh, other related subject matters. So thank you for joining us and hopefully we will have you again and we can follow up on some of the uh, other issues in greater detail. I hope so and thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for okay. all. Okay. We encourage you to follow Prepare to Care podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or www.aarp.org slash HoustonPTC. You can also catch past episodes on YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash AARP Texas. Thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for caring.